You're listening to Super Power Up with multidimensional master, superpower expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Tonya Donrekla. If you're ready to disrupt reality, then sit down, strap in, and prepare to experience the show that proves there is no spoon. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and we have a really fantastic conversation for you today. I'm excited to bring this forward because it's one of those conversations that you're like, uh, are they going there? And it's like, yeah, of course we're going to go there. We go there on everything because here's the problem, folks, whether we explore these concepts or not, whether we're willing to talk about them, whether they make us uncomfortable, whatever the case may be, there is a pervasiveness to some really uncomfortable things lately. If you're not, if you're not noticing that, or if you don't really kind of get what we're talking about, then you're probably not paying a whole lot of attention to the world right now. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the moral cost of misandry, and that may be a word that none of you, some of you, may have never heard. Um, if you've heard it, you kind of like mm, whatever, right? And so I'm not even going to define it for you, right? We're going to dive into this with with um, somebody far, far, far better equipped to open up that dialogue than I am. Um, and I'm excited where we can meet in the middle on it. So we're talking today with Dr. Paul Nathanson and his work, his study of misandry and what happens when we allow something like that concept to inform um, not just our culture, but also how, how we view each other, how we interact with each other. You, you, if you've listened to me for more than a minute, you know my passion is in making sure that we are clear about what we're discussing and how we're discussing it and what we're putting forward and what we're giving our energy to and, and what we're what we're refusing to look at because because again it's it's not fun right like it, it it kind of is abrasive and so we don't shy away from those conversations um paul is a gender history and religious studies professor and, and has just poured himself into this field of misandry and and it's worth listening to folks like i know things are heated right now um and you cannot hope to uh, uh, catalyze change assist in the transformation or anything else unless you're willing to really listen to information from all sides right and then i mean that's that's kind of the the most daunting kind of um, ugliness of social media is this idea that nobody needs to to seek any further than than a quick retort right that can get a bunch of thumbs up and so 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 we're going to dive deeply into this topic and help illuminate for you why we think it's important um, and and why we hope you'll listen please join me right now in, in welcoming to this show dr paul nathanson paul thank you so much for joining us today thank you for inviting me well i'm i'm really delighted to have this conversation with you and of course we're going to start with asking you what are your superpowers well i could answer that by by saying that I, I can fly through the air, uh, <laughs> but my my if I have any superpowers, I would say that one of them is um, this sounds crazy, but be but I'm uh, I think that being gay has become for me a kind of superpower, not because of anything inherent in in being gay, but simply because it exposed me at a very early age to uh, bullies and all the negativity that comes with being bullied and also the questions that I asked as a child. I mean, why is this happening to me? Do I really deserve this? Am I that horrible that I deserve so much contempt? Um, now, that really set me on the path 
um, even though I didn't know it at the time, um, that I would have to, though the questions were serious enough that I would have to find, or at least try to find answers to them. And that brings me to my second superpower, which <laughs> is um, learning. Um, I spent a lot of time doing research and uh, developing theories, discarding them, starting over again. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but it's all, it's all worked for the best. It's all uh, been a very rich, uh, intellectually stimulating environment. And uh, whether my superpowers will end up transforming the world or just me is another matter entirely. Great, great, great way to frame that up. Like, like, and is there a difference, right? Like, isn't that how we change the world? Um, there's a, there's a ripple effect and, and we, you know, we play with some folks here who are, are working in some, some pretty significant spaces in the stratosphere around how reality really operates. And so, so, you know, I, I think that at the very least we can say there is a correlation when we, when we transform ourselves and, and what happens in the world um, at the very least how we perceive of it. Um, but let, let's really dive into this com conversation because it's certainly worthy of, of the time we have here together and so much more. Can you please define for our audience, Ms. Sandry, and explain a little bit about why? Like, why pick up that mantle? Well, Ms. Andry is... Uh the sexist counterpart of misogyny, okay? Misogyny is contempt or hatred toward women, and um, misandry is contempt or hatred toward men. So the definition is fairly simple, although some people assume that uh, sexism is identical to misogyny, and therefore they it strikes them as odd that somebody would say, well, yeah, but you know, the coin has another side. Um, well, it does have another side. And so misandry and misogyny um, actually function together in society. Uh, they're, uh, they're opposites, but they also um, feed off each other. So I think to study one, you have to study the other two. Mm -hmm. I like that you're saying that. And, and I, you know, a big part of my work was in internet group relations. And from that, I did a lot of work in white racial identity development. And it's not a popular thing when you attempt to look at and give voice to power majority positions. Um, and I think it's necessary, just like what you're talking about. And so, you know, recent article that we just published is called, um, uh, assume the position, ladies, inviting the rise of the divine masculine. And in there, I talk about the pervasiveness of the masculine in the sense of, and, and, and what the um, ripple effects are of assuming that we all have a shared framework of it. And you, you, you and I talked about that a little bit before we got started here. And so when we come back from the break, I want to dive into to what you were sharing about this idea of um, the words we use and how that informs our reality. I mean, super fascinating stuff. So, so folks, we're talking today with Dr. Paul Nathan. So we're talking about the moral cost of misandry. Paul, before we go anywhere, where can people go to find out more about you? Well, the books, I, I wrote four books with Catherine Young. I've written other books too, but I've written, I wrote four books with Catherine Young on misandry. And they're all on Amazon. And uh, Beautiful. I think we'll that's a, those reasonably good introduction. I've written many articles too. Yeah. 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, we'll go ahead and link those books, folks. Stay with us. When we come back, we're going to continue this fascinating conversation about the moral cost of misandry. You're not going to want to miss it because we, we can illuminate in the sense of what, you know, how do you take kind of your first steps into looking at this? You know, that the big conversation right now is how do we talk about or how do we understand that which we didn't even see? And so, so this is a ripe conversation right now. So stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. You're not going to want to miss it. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Awesome, folks. We're back. This is Tonya Don Reckley. You're listening to Disrupt Reality. And we're talking with Dr. Paul Nathanson about the moral cost of misandry. And before the break, we, we, we were outlining misandry, kind of talking about that. And, and Paul, I, I, I really would love for them to hear what you were talking about in terms of what happens. You know, you talked about the two sides of the coin, right? we got misandry and misogyny, and, and, and it's all part of sexism. And now we're getting into, okay, well, what about power dynamics and da 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 but ultimately, at the end of the day, one of the things that's at play here is this idea that we all think that we're talking about the same thing. Can you talk a little bit about the power of words and, and, and what happens when we expand that definition to mean just about anything, um, what it does regarding our ability to comprehend and, and, and even change things? Well, one example that I can think of quickly, um, because I spent so many years of, uh, doing research on this, is um, the word rape. Now, rape has a technical definition. It's forcible penetration. Um, but that word has been inflated. Uh, linguistic inflation is a major problem that we can talk about later. But the word has taken on the meaning of almost anything that makes a woman feel uncomfortable is somewhere on a continuum uh, moving toward rape. So that, that influences the way we see all of our interactions. If a man makes a lewd joke, um, that the rea one reaction a woman might have is um, to snicker, which <laughs> that's an old story. Um, in, in, there was a time, I guess in my parents' generation, when that was called risque humor. And it was something that uh, sophisticated people cultivated. Nowadays... <laughs> Um, it's simply um, uh, it's a euphemism for something like sexual harassment or even sexual assault. Uh, so we throw words around that and change their meaning, keeping people off guard and also um, expanding the territory um, on which you can attack your adversaries. So if you're a feminist and you want to argue that there's something called rape culture, uh, that um, all of society is organized on the principle of men raping women. 
which is an idea that uh, is as old, at least uh, 1975, when Susan Brown Miller wrote Against Our Will. So the idea of a rape culture is prevalent. First, it was prevalent on university campuses, then it went mainstream. Um, so, uh, you know, and so that's, uh, that's sort of the background to the Me Too movement. Um, so if you can call something sexual harassment or sexual assault, uh, and almost anything qualifies, then it's easy to um, target men as a class. Okay, I see where you're going. And, and, and I really want to preface this, folks, by saying, like, what, what Paul's talking about is the like the when you when you dive into these concepts like it's really challenging to like in a 20 minute interview or conversation be like oh let me just encapsulate all of it. like these are deep deep issues and so we're 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 doing our best to kind of give you this this kind of glance at it but all while being very responsible to the information that's not an easy thing to do with some of these ideas because we were trained through social media to be so quick to disregard right well what do you mean right what do you mean um, you know, oh, men have it so hard. And what do you mean? Da, 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 right? Like, like, again, folks, either we can stay where we are and continue to react in that way, or we can quiet that and say, okay, what am I being shown here? What am I hearing? What is this? How have I been um, complicit in this? You know, am I, am I complicit? Like, like, am I okay with this? Is this the kind of world that I really want to live in? And if the answer is no, then perhaps we, it's worth it for us to look at some of these um, subconscious kind of pervasive things that we think and do that most of us are completely unaware of, right? That is our big bulk of our work here at Superpower Experts with our clients. And, and it's bringing to a conscious level of awareness these things that um, inform so much of our existence that we're not even aware of. And so, so Paul's work is really, really interesting when you can kind of pull it all apart and um, and so, so, so watch where aspects of your mind are wanting to kind of jump in and, and have an opinion, right. Or disagree or whatever, right. That's part of the problem with these conversations is that we have trained people to think that they are incendiary and that we should have an opinion, but most of those opinions are incredibly ill informed and, and it's really difficult for the average individual to get any sort of data or accurate information these days because of the onslaught of, um, of other kinds of information. Um, and so it's worth taking a moment and really sitting in. If, you, if you're fascinated, even if you don't hear yourself agreeing to what Paul's saying, if it's intriguing to you to even think that this is like, that this is a course of study, explore that, right? Read his books, like see where he's coming from, because we would, we're doing Paul a real disservice in his work if we don't give voice to the fact that this is this is a lifetime of unfoldment. You know, one of the hardest things in dealing with the the um, the two theses that I wrote on on racial matters is like it's never ending, right? Like, how do you start encapsulating things? But if we don't have people who are courageous enough to encapsulate things and start putting theories forward and and positing certain like, hey, this is maybe something we need to look at, then then we're all stuck, right? And and so so Paul, you know, from 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 our house to yours, thank you for this deep dive into this work that you've done, because it takes real courage to, to step into those spaces and to become very public about a topic that's not popular. Um, and so, so we honor that and, and we appreciate you. Well, I think, can I 
Can I drive time now to say more? Sure, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I, I think that with uh, events in the news recently, the past week or so, um, we've had a lot of discussion about racism, sometimes called systemic racism. And, and you know, I'm not going to talk about that, but I want to, but I, I do want to draw a parallel between words mm-hmm. like racism and sexism. Um, to my mind, racism and sexism are a characteristic feature of each, a defining feature of each. It's not an emotion. It's about hatred. Hatred is a culturally propagated worldview. Um, and so when we talk about, well, who is a racist? I mean, I, I'm just, I got really fed up listening to all the talk about Trump being a racist because nobody defined what they meant by racist. They identified things that he said that were clumsy and even stupid, but that's not the same thing (laughs) as demonstrating malice or the intention to harm another group. That's where we have racism and sexism. Oh, I, I, I was like, I was entranced with what you were talking about. I think so, such a powerful statement in, in the, and it's um, to me that that is one of the biggest detriments to opening up things like social media and, and how, and the turns that mass media have taken. We, we we're encouraging everybody to espouse their uninformed opinions. And, 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 and as you mentioned, uh, usually from an emotional place. Um, and so it creates real challenge when it's like, okay, and it, 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 I, we get that it's like, yes, draw attention to it. Yes, all this stuff. But it, it quickly goes into the opposite effect of, of drawing a lot of attention away from really important matters because we can't sit in them long enough to have a, have a chat about it, right? Like, like nobody's seeing eye to eye. There's no dialogue happening. Um, we were on a, a training call here recently, and, and, and one of the things that came out of my mouth was it was like, you know, no one has ever swayed their opinion because of some in-depth dialogue on social media. You know, maybe maybe that's not a true statement, but it but it was. You know, I think we can safely say that that's probably the 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 most um the most uh, normalized kind of kind of uh, thing to say. And I'm sure there are situations where somebody was swayed and, and convinced otherwise, or at least opened their eyes to new information. But for the most part, that's not how it's designed, right? It's not what it's designed to do. It's actually designed to be incredibly divisive by its very nature. Um, and, and we and we jump into it hook, line, and seeker because there's enough of us, enough inside of each one of us that that um, relates to this idea of, of, a, of a, a perceiving of our own identity through, um, you know, attagirls and attaboys from other people and acceptance from the outside world. Um, and, and again, I go back to that makes everything that you're talking about that much more important. So, so we're just scratching the surface for sure. Like, and, and that's kind of what we knew coming into this, but the conversation on the moral cost of this, um, before we leave here, I, w- I want to make sure people understand why, um, why we think this is important, right? What, what is the cost? So let's say we have, um, women listening right now who are like, yeah, 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 great. Like, got it. Like, get in line, right? Every, everybody else has been persecuted against. Why not men too? Or, or, or not even really believing. Like, yeah, no, no, thanks. Like, they're that. That's not been their experience, and it's difficult for them to wrap their minds around. 
from a, a cultural kind of collective perspective, what is the moral cost to each one of us if we choose to ignore things like the very eloquent way you express that hatred is a culturally propagated worldview? What, what's the moral cost? Well, yes, my, my, and my point there was that I'm, I'm looking at, at hatred uh, toward anybody as mm -hmm. primarily a moral problem, not a psychological problem. Mm -hmm. Personal psychology, you know, can explain all sorts of things, but the, the real cultural problem um, is, uh, is, this, is a worldview in which the entire world and all of history is divided into a struggle between us and them. We are good, they are evil. Uh, now that is, a, it's in my field, is what we call a dualistic philosophy. Everything is us versus them. And if you want to look at the cost of that, look what's going on in the country. We have half the country not talking to the other half, except ranting. Yeah. Well, and, and it's quick for us to go into that space. We, My husband and I taught um, in-group, out-group relations to uh, counterintelligence agents when we were, when we were in that field. And... Um, you know, and, and, and we've taught those concepts from, from children to corporate to whatever. And it's in, and, and it's to me that, that there's really nothing more important than understanding how we relate to each other and what barriers we've put in place to make sure that, um, that we can easily go into divisiveness if necessary. Um, and, and I, and I love that you spoke to that dualistic perspective. Um, folks, this is, this is, there's so much in this conversation. Can I add something else? Please, absolutely. Okay. Well, the these the four books that we've published, and there are two more that are pretty well written. Um, the the context in which we wrote all of this stuff is something that I call intersexual dialogue, and intersexual dialogue is based on the 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 basic model of interreligious dialogue. Um, but it's it's much more rigorous as a process than simply you know getting together in people's living rooms and saying nice things to each other. <laughs> uh, it, it it really involves work. You have to be highly motivated. You have to be able to accept ten or to assimilate ten principles. We call it the Decalogue of Dialogue, and these principles include things like. Being well, they're all based on empathy, okay? Not and and so they're based on listening carefully to what the other says, not with their not with the goal in mind of rebuking or refuting that person, but just listening and learning something that we didn't already know or think we already knew. So I don't think we're anywhere near ready for dialogue, um, any kind of dialogue, whether it's between races or religions or sexes or, or anything else. But I think that we should, the least thing, the least that we could do is start thinking now about what a world would be like if we could have dialogue. Um, and so that means really making a, an effort of the imagination and of the will to see the world as other people see it, not just to confirm our own preconceived ideas. Beautiful. And to add to that, the um, while for sure masses are not having those conversations for a while now, I've been stating that the 
this conversation isn't for the masses. This is for the leaders. This is for the people who are stepping forward, who are willing to have those dialogues. And we're seeing indicators of that. And there are a lot of us who are willing to sit in those really kind of traditionally uncomfortable spaces to, to create sustainable kind of models for moving forward. Um, that's, you know, and maybe my Pollyannish rose colored glasses type of way. That's the, um, that to me is the hope that I see. And I do see it trickling down. It's, it's not, it's not magic folks. Like these, these things are, have been going on for a very, very, very long time. And they're so deeply embedded in all of us and in the collective that, that it, you know, it's, it's an unraveling process. And those of you who've been on your own self-actualization journeys understand that process. And you do get to a point where no matter how uncomfortable what lies ahead of you is, you're going to step into it because you remember very clearly the hell that lies behind you. And so that's what we're up against, folks. And for those of you who have the courage to step in and look your own worldview in the face and expand out and have conversations with other people in a way that is truly designed to connect, then we applaud you. And, and there are many, 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 many ways you can do that. And I encourage you to check out Paul's work, to dive into it, find a topic that you're most uncomfortable about, you know, and, and see what you can learn about it. Like, that's really the only way to set yourselves free. Uh, Paul, thank you again so much for your work, for your time here, for um, just for, for being that in the world. We, we honor you and we appreciate you sharing it with our audience. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And to all you out there, as always, we appreciate you. We appreciate your loyalty. We know you're listening and we know you're sharing and that lights us up and, and it keeps us motivated to keep going. So thank you. Thank you for that. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers and change the world. Folks, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We love you. Bye for now. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.